Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday night. And earlier today I did the second partial one. Now I want to try to do today the um, Haftorah. Um, it's a busy week. Unfortunately, I have a Levi to go to tomorrow, a relative of mine. And uh, I have to write that up. But tonight's uh, talk on the Haftorah, which is my Bar Mitzvah Haftorah. So I'm quite familiar with it. It's Mrs. Rechtan, the Stel Rechtan, who is doing this very uh, nice occasion. Listen to this. She's learning. My learning partner is Lee Cooper. So these two ladies have been learning. Finished Malachim Aleph and Base this week. <clears throat> so here's a, a Chabrusa, two ladies who have um, now making a seum, so to speak, on Malachim Aleph and Base, the book of Malachim. <clears throat> As you know, Aleph and Base is a Christian thing, but nevertheless, you know, uh, to finish the book of Malachim. And she said, We started at the beginning of the pandemic once a week on FaceTime. Isn't that something? And when our lives came to a standstill, there was a way to have some sense of normalcy. I know what she means, because I did something similar. And uh, very nice. You know, we kept up with each other. We could share good and bad times. Always keep focused on the learning. And we chose Malachim because Lee wanted to have a better understanding of how the tribes came to be separated. Well, you get that. And now we want to start at the beginning of the Navi and work our way through as many books as we can. So I would say, Yasha Koch to you. This podcast is our Siam. Okay? So... This podcast is the same, so I'm very uh, honored to be able to participate in whatever way to say uh, something, because today's Haftarah, of course, is from the Book of Malachim, <clears throat> and that's what she means. So, we're having, like you say, a virtual scene, as it were, uh, but congratulations to them, and uh, I think that's great. Everybody should know uh, Danach, and uh, it's, a, it's, 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 it's I bet you there's a lot of women out there making uh, similar uh, Siddharm <clears throat> In um, in Nach, uh, which is not a well known territory, I don't know. I think she told me that they also compared it with Divrei Yomim, <clears throat> because if you want to understand the Book of Malachim, including our Haftorah today, you have no choice but to coordinate it with the equal study of what it says in the Book of Malachim, uh, Divrei Yomim. Both books. So let me put it this way: broadly speaking. The book of Malachim Aleph and Malachim Beis is identical to Divrayam and Beis, basically. And if you read it very close, usually, I used to tell my classes in school, they, you know, I would teach, uh, among other things, uh, I mean, I had an ambitious schedule, you know, Yeshua, Shoptim, Shemalachim, Divrayam, Daniel, Ezrachim, and so forth. But uh, usually I'd say, you have to read this part in Divrayam and in Malachim. But for, for the first 10 chapters, you don't have to. Because it's basically the same thing. Each one tells you a story about the reign of Shlomo Melch, And the stuff about building Mason Mishnah has come out the same thing. And uh, therefore, I'm not going to require the boys to know more than the Book of Lachim. That's hard enough. However, it's come out the same thing. It's not the same thing. There are certain discrepancies. Our Haftorah today is a wonderful example of the, uh, a suggestive example, in my opinion, of these discrepancies. 
I'm going to call your attention to it in the context of my remarks. Uh, in general, if you get a hold of Menashe ben Israel, the conciliator, which I've mentioned from time to time, uh, he will zero in, <clears throat> that's his style, on the discrepancies. You know, so sometimes you'll say like this, it's a Shlomo built with, with, with five tons, and elsewhere it'll be he built with six tons. So there's are minor discrepancies. But sometimes it's not. And I'll tell you where I'm going with all this. Today we're doing Parsha Vayakil. Consequently, the Torah is arranged, uh, you know, from building a base in English. In other words, Vayakil is about building the Mishkan. They wanted to come up with something for the Torah, the Navi, that's something similar to the base in English. Fine. Even though there are di- dissimilarities, but there are similarities as well. Shine. <clears throat> However, um, the Haftorah that we have today, as you look yourself in your Chumash, the stone Chumash, you'll see that it's in chapter 7. I know the chapters are Geisha things, but they're convenient. Chapter 7. And uh, you'll look in the, uh, let me open here, the stone Chumash, all the way in the back on page 1162. And you'll see that there's Sephardic, this, this, the Sephard way of doing the Haftorah, and the Ashkenaz way, okay? Now, um, What's interesting is that they're all in chapter 7, but if you do Nusach Svarid, and it also says Chabad, by the way, then the Haftorah consists of um, verses chapter 7, verses 13 to 26. But if you do it Ashkenaz way, my way, then the Haftorah is, is the same chapter, but verses 40 to 50. to none. It's a little weird that way, because both Haftorahs are in the same chapter, so to speak. And they're both kind of talking about roughly the same things. But obviously, they're not identical. They're not identical. Now, um, what? here's the point. The main character in both Haftorahs, in uh, whether you do it Ashkenaz or Sephard, whether you do the first Sukkim or the later Sukkim, is a, a, an obscure figure who, once again, is a weirdism compared to the Mishkan. When Moshe builds the Mishkan, as we all know, the two guys that God appoints, not Moshe, he didn't appoint him, is Betzalel and Oliyov. Betzalel was a grandson of Chor, so that means he came from a very aristocratic family. Chor. And Oliyov, I think his father, if I'm not mistaken, was a Nasi, right? And uh, so, no, there's two, like you say, there's two good Jewish boys. And Mestama, they had some kind of experience in building and stuff like that in Egypt. And that is why God, you know, chose them. <clears throat> okay? Now, here's the thing. Um, when Shlomo builds the base of Mikdash, so aside from everything else, the slave labor force I spoke about before and the, the corvée and so forth, uh, we find that he needs a Michelangelo, a... Leonardo da Vinci. He needs a highly skilled artisan who can execute, you know, uh, um, welding and uh, putting together, melting together uh, copper and creating things out of it. And apparently Jews weren't into that. Regular Jews. The Jews are farmers. They knew how to build by putting bricks on top of bricks. But Beis needs more than that. Okay? Beis needs more than that. If you're Shlomo Melkin, he had some big plans. And among his plans 
were like these, I don't know what you call them, metal sculptures? Is that the right word? Like the two Yochanan bows, you know, the two giant columns. And things made out of bronze, get it? Uh, things made out of bronze. Now, plus other stuff. So, apparently there was no Jew who was in the kingdom of Shlomo who could meet the criteria to run the operation. Like I said before, he needed a master craftsman, like a Michelangelo type. And so, he gets this guy, Hiram. Now, this is confusing, as biblical accounts are sometimes confusing. He goes, Hiram is a name held by two different individuals, A and B. One was a guy, the other guy not so pushed. The first guy was Hiram Melchzor. I'm going by what it says in the text, get it? How you disentangle that is something else. But a well-known figure in the reign of Shlomo is the king the king of the neighboring kingdom of Tzor, of Tyre. This is called Lebanon today. Tyre is not far away from the Israeli border. It's a big headquarters of a of a Palestinian refugee camp, as a matter of fact. And it's called Tzor, but Tzidon, Tzor. Tzidon is Sidon, and Tzor is Tyre, T-Y-R-E. Now, um, he was a guy. And he did business with Shlomo. Because if you're going to build a base in Migdush, you need all kinds of materials and junk like that. And a high-ticket item was good wood. It's just interesting that a significant part of the base of Migdush is the wood, the cedar, which is mentioned again and again, as Mrs. Rechthand can see, in these chapters in the beginning of the Book of Malachim describing the building of base of Migdush. So wood was a big item. Um, sometimes covered with gold, often other eccentricities of Shlomo. Um, and where do you get the wood? The answer is in Lebanon. Now it's outside the borders of Israel. Now what's interesting, as I said the other day, is really, 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 Lebanon is supposed to be part of historic Eretz Yisrael. If you look at how what God promised, you know, Moshe and all this other stuff, if you draw a line on the map, you'll see originally it's supposed to be that what you and I called Sarbet Sidon, Lebanon was was supposed to be in the borders of Eretz Yisrael. Never happened. At the time of Yoshua, when they did the concrete, they didn't go there. They, 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 they felt it's impossible to do so. I might say, I might point out that Tyre was a famous commercial city of yesteryear, and it had some famous sieges, which it withstood, I think, Alexander the Great's army, if I remember correctly, <laughs> and others, uh, including uh, Nebuchadnezzar, as mentioned in the book of Yekeskel, who unsuccessfully tried to besiege Tyre because it was like out on the water, you know. <laughs> That's just interesting. Now, this guy, Hiram, who's a guy, contracted with Shlomo to provide wood and other stuff like that, and he did do so. And that's why he's mentioned in the book. And Shlomo paid him however he paid him. That is not the guy in today's Haftar, when it says, Hiram, Esachiros, Vesayim, Vesemizrakos, this is when Zechiram made all the, the shovels and the lavers and the basins and all that. That's not the guy. That's another guy with the same name. You tell me, it's not baloney, it's real. The other guy was a Jew, it seems, but with a funny Jewish identity. That's what makes the story so weird. And that is Hiram, Hiram who was the Michelangelo. So it's a Jewish guy who lived among the Goyim, Maybe he went there to learn art school. I'm, I'm very serious about this, right? It could very well be that he went to Tzor to learn 
the kind of thing that you couldn't pick up in Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, he picked up Torah stuff. But he went to Lebanon to learn how to do the Lebanese business, not with the wood, but rather how to execute projects with metals. Now, it makes very good sense, and I'll tell you what I mean. If you're Jewish and from, what do you need metal uh, skills for? What are you building out of metal? But if you're a guy, make idols. You get it? So it's ironic. A from Jew, if he wants to learn how to uh, execute, you know, uh, have a foundry and you put the, the, the metal in and uh, you shape it into molds and all that, whatever they do. I don't know. Whatever they do, it's obviously a big skill. And uh, the place to do it is a place like Sor, which was chock full of idols. Sor and Zina, that's where Jezebel came from. You understand? So, in other words, a from guy was sent up to the place up there because they have the best skill in making these things, although the reason they do it is usually to make idols. Now, it says in the beginning of the Haftorah, which is the part that Svartim read today, not the part that we, Ashkenazim, most of us that are listening to this, I imagine are coming from Ashkenaz Shoals. That's my assumption over here. And instead, they uh, talk about Shlomo building it, building, uh, summoning this guy Hiram from Sor. Now, at the beginning of chapter 7, although you never know, it's a guy you should think the chapter heading, so you know it's really there, talks about Shlomo building his own personal palace, what they call Beisiar Halavonon. He wanted to build like a super luxury situation that was full of wood, and you felt like you were walking in a forest. And most importantly, when the wind, as you and I know, when we've been in Yushalayim, you're in an elevated place. The wind, even in the summer, blows through. And since it was all full of wood, um, wooden wooden rooms with wooden, um, um, I guess, walls that have holes in them and stuff. So it was cool breeze. That's the point. So basically, he spent a billion dollars building himself a primitive air conditioning at that time. Why? They go into great trouble to tell you all this. And it even seems like he built another one for his wife, Pharaoh's daughter. They submission. But that's what it says. Now, in the beginning of the Haftorah that you and I are not going to read, but is is part of the Haftorah of today, it's the Vayishach Melch Shlomo Vayikach Hizchir Mitzor. The Shlomo sent to Tyre, okay, to um, bring in this guy named Hiram, not the king. Who was he? Ben Ishal Monahu Mimate Naftali. So he was Jewish because his mother was Jewish. She's from the tribe of Naftali. Naftali, if you look on the map, is all the way in the north. So that makes sense. The Aviv Ishtzori, and his father was a guy. That's what it sounds like. Ishtzori, a guy from Sor, from Tyre. And his father was Chorosh Nagoshes. So his father had already been in the business. So God filled him with all the knowledge, and therefore Shlomo hired him. That's the bottom line. Therefore Shlomo hired him. And he built all these amazing um, bronze things, like the giant pillars, whatever, Yochan and Boaz. And the artwork in metal that they used on them in the basic English. This was the unusual feature for Jews. The Goisha temple would be nothing. With Jews, it was epic. So he tells you that Shlomo hired this guy who was um, mixed marriage. Okay? Mixed marriage. Now, it is possible, and some of the fortune naturally are very bothered by that. Why would you get somebody? Who's a child of a mixed marriage, which you're not even supposed to do. Right? Came out guy. Why would you use him, Dafka, for the building? 
So you can always answer, listen, Shlomo went for talent. You know what I'm saying? You get it where you get it. Obviously, he would have preferred a guy from Meisharim. There was no guy like that. But he needed a guy first class. When it comes to Meisharim, there is the artistic side. There is the skill side. You can't be Mavatra on that. And so the heck with it. He said, yeah, I'm not I'm not taking him for a son-in-law. I'm taking him as an architect or, or a fashioner, Mark and Michelangelo, for building the, the, the base of Migdash, and that he's good for it. Okay? Um, however, other Mepharshim are bothered by this concept, that the father was a guy, and they say that even though it says of Ishtori, his father was a Tzori, a Tyrian, it just means that he was a Jew who lived there, but he was Jewish. It's a little bit of a stretch, but okay, yeah, it's perfectly possible, okay? It's perfectly possible. And in the book of Divrayama, which is the parallel passage, they give you a little bit different story. Not that his mother was from Naphtali, but it says, that Hiram, the king of Tzor, wrote to Shlomo, and he said, I'm sending you a guy, doesn't say the name, but you and I know it's Hiram. There was a guy, excuse me, who worked for my father named Hiram. I must be allergic to my own podcast. Anyway, it says over here, there's a third Hiram. So there's two guys and one Jew. There's Hiram the first, Hiram the second, and Hiram the Yid. Hiram the first, in other words, would be the guy who was friends with David Melch, because it says in the beginning of the reign of David, which is 40 years before, Hiram helped him out and build him a palace. Now we're 40 years later in the time of Shlomo. This is Hiram the, the second. And he says, I'm sending a guy who was Yodea Bina. He's very smart, which is an interesting term for an artisan. Okay? It's not what you would necessarily say. And he would say, Ben Don, for So his mother is from Shevet Don. So in one place, in the book of Melanchim, it says he's from uh, Naphtali. And the other place, from Don. You might say, who cares? Ordinarily, I would say, who cares? But since we're zeroing in on this, for the podcast purpose, since we're we're in in this little story, so it's kind of significant to me, and I'll tell you why I say that. You always have to look at things in a historical context. Shlom was building a base of Mishra, which hadn't been around for a long time. If you say, and the two nearby tribes of Israel, up north, one was Naphtali and one was done. That part is true. But what is the difference? And I'll tell you right now. The Shevet Dun, now I'm talking about Dun in the north, not Dun in the south. This might confuse you. You'd have to go and Google or something like that, maybe, and, and you know, Google and Ivrit, the lands of the 10 tribes, 12 tribes, and so forth. I'm serious. You go do that. And what you'll see is, if you read closely the book of Shoftim and the story of the Pesel Micha, you'll find that the original Sheva Dun territory was immediately north of the Gaza Strip. Mom should tell me area. That's why he called Gush Dun. However, there wasn't enough land for them. And on a certain occasion, connected with the story of Pelagish Shegiva, a raiding party from Sheva Dun went all the way up north to what you and I would call the Banyas in the Golan Heights. They wiped out the local people and took it over. And that became part of Sheva Dun also. Now, if this guy 
is from that Shevet Don, it would be very logical, because it's right next to Lebanon, right? Now, cats, why are you going through all this sort of thing? Here's why. What was going on in the Shevet Don is that Benisham and Nuz Don. What was going on in the Shevet Don during the time of Shlomo? I'll tell you exactly. The the Pesel Micha was, was prospering, was uh, in full service. The story of the Pesel Micha is that somebody made an idol with a church to go along with it, and it flourished. Jews patronized it, and they liked it, and it was very popular. During the reign of Shlomo and afterwards, there are some of who don't learn it that way, but the Chazal certainly do. They say, get over it. For one reason or another, the Pesel Micha, this idol, and the church associated with it, the sanctuary, the shrine, flourished for centuries up north. Yes, it was wrong, but the people didn't realize it was wrong. Blah, blah, blah. You know, there's ways of explaining it. I've done it on other occasions. There's a very famous and nice interpretation from, uh, what's the name, Ashkenazi? Uh, what is it? The the uh, Yefei Inayim, is that it? What, uh, the name escapes me. Yefei Mara. And uh, who, who's like uh, the best commentator in the Medrash. And he has an interesting explanation, but I'm not, I'm not going to go into it now. Uh, that means that if he comes from Don, Don had an issue because they have like an idol. You get it? Now, it's just interesting to me that the guy that Shlomo is sending for to execute the most sacred projects and skill-requiring projects, the base of Migdash, is a day-night from Don. And let me tell you, uh, some of them are Farshima. I think the Barpadel, I mean the uh, Malbim and the Radak. Let me see over here. It says, Aviv Ish Tzori, Shayigar Bitzor. So he was a Jewish, he just lived there. Um, they call him sorry because he lived there. I don't know, yeah, it's a little weird, whatever. And uh, the Malbim Mosa here in Malachim says, you know, that uh, he has a whole scenario over here. But uh, the bottom line is that they want to say he's Jewish. Um, so that one implied that both parents are from the Sheva Don. And the reason they don't talk about the father, he was called a, Tsuri, a, a Tyrian. In, in nowadays, you call this Yo-Raid. The guy's not making Aliyah, he's making Yerida. Apparently, there were some Jews who did that even in the time of, of Bayes Rishon before Bayes Rishon, which is just interesting. Uh, doesn't sound like, sounds like the father was a guy, but I'm going to go with what they say. Because then it's even more interesting. And so, he, according to Divrei Yaman, the parallel passage to Arav Torah today, he got a hold of this guy who was from Don. Don, they knew about idols. You see my point? Don, they knew about idols. Don obviously did not have issues of making images of God. Because that's what the Pesamichel was. Didn't have a problem with it. It was wrong. It is a kind of a Rizara, so to speak. It's what the golden calf was, but they did it anyway. Now, that's how it was. By Yomim and Melch Yisrael, until David and Shlomo came along. Now, uh, therefore, if you and Shevet Don, you're not like the other Shvatim. You're not like a guy who says, what do I need to look at statues? And we have nothing like that. Not true. If you went to the Shevet Don, you could find, you know, they, who knows how many statues and stuff like They didn't see a problem with it. You see? They didn't see a problem with it. And uh, indeed, uh, Shmuel Yafa Ashkenazi says, you know, that the attitude of the king was, Mutav Shushogim Valyum Mazidin. 
better they can continue their show gig. So he gets this guy, and he says, I want you to be Michelangelo, the Hainu. I'm going to give you all the, the, the metal stuff, especially the bronze, and you will create gigantic um, uh, zachen, gigantic pillars or whatever. And that is our Haftar today, how the guy went ahead and did it. So for, for some reason, we skip over what, to my mind, is the most interesting parts of Chapter 7, particularly the fact that this guy, Hiram, the Michelangelo, executed this tank, this, <coughs> this Yamshel Shlomo, which is an amazing thing. For those of you who don't know what the Yamshel Shlomo is, and I'm not referring to the book by the, by the Marshal, I'm talking about the original Yamshel Shlomo, the Sea of King Solomon. I strongly advise you to go into Google and hit Yamshel Shlomo and look for images. And you'll be amazed at what you see because it's a gigantic tank with these with these animals. No, it's all made out of bronze under it, okay? And it seems to be the tank was on top of 12 oxen, three facing north, west, east, and south. So the the uh, the front of the animals is sticking out and the rear end uh, was sticking in, in, inwards and uh, it was thick and so on and so forth and it held a belt of water. I looked up because I don't know the difference in one thing and the other. And if, if what I'm seeing is right, it had 13,000 gallons, if, 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 if my understanding is correct. You know, it had uh, six, 50 cubic meters of water. How much is that in gallons? You know, some of you will make fun of me. 50 cubic uh, meters of water. But it's a lot of water. And that was, among other things, for the mikvah, for the kohanim, and for other purposes. And it could be that it was connected... Um, by tubes to the ground to a Mayan underneath the base of Migdash. All that is not in the Ashkenaz. Is, is not in the Ashkenaz. Rather, for I don't know why, they chose to do the summary of the bronze work. And here it says, So it just gives you a list of all the stuff that Hiram made for Shlomo. So in other words, you have to understand that here's a guy who was given by the king carte blanche. And it says, that he went and bicked us a yarding. Because where can you do this? Shlomo had to clear a gigantic work site. Anybody at a farm or whatever, get out of here, right? Eminent domain, you know. Kicking everybody out. And it's in bicked us a yarding, the, the plains of Jordan. The Jordan Valley, as you know. Bain Sukkot and Bain Sarson. Okay? Now, to be perfectly honest, Sukkot should be on the other side of the yarding. I believe. I think so. Um... Let me, let me see if I get a map here. Because he's going to do the executing of this on the Eva Yarnin, which is just interesting. Now, you see, this is the problem. People are in Daftar or anything like this. They skip over these little things, which are actually quite significant. Right? But uh, if Mrs. Rechtan and her Chavrusa went through with this, the Ian, then they probably saw this themselves, I assume. Bekika uh, Yarnin. Uh, Let's see, does the Mephorshim say anything over here? No, they don't. Um, but what do you call it? He said he found the right piece of Karka to do this. I think it's on the other side of Jordan. I say that only because in the story of Gideon, he chased him the other side and he killed the guys in Sukkot when he pursued the Midianites. You know what I mean, right? When he pursued the Midianites. So he looked around to find the right place. We have a giant plane, and you could build um, whatever kind of work site you needed. 
to create the big molds uh, to 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 build up uh, to to create these pillars and this giant tank, which was quite a business and uh, mesh work. Uh, they look like pomegranates, all made out of metal. So the place must have been like a uh, what's the right word? A uh, ecological disaster, you know. No, there's a fire and smoke everywhere. But that was the point. You needed a certain place to do it. And he carried it out over there. Okay? And there were so many that Shlomo left him on weight. So this guy is going to make now a special order for Shlomo from this mass of bronze and whatever. Um, cups, spoons, saucers, forks, and all kinds of things like that. Because, you know, this is how the base of English runs. The base of English is, among other things, that's not all it is, but that's one of the things it is, okay? Um, and there's a lot of carbonus over there. And that means you need, I mean, it's going to sound funny. I don't mean it to sound funny. You need all the, 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 the tools of the butcher shop for the base of English. But it's got to be made specially here from the Choshes. And so it says he made so many of them that Shlomo didn't even bother to make him inventory. I think that's kind of interesting, you know? He made so many of them they say, Shlomo, what's what's the language over here? It's in the Torah, right? It says, Shlomo, um, uh, he made so many that they didn't even count them. Right? Lo nechkar mishkal hanachoshes. Right? See the Pusik? Lo, vayinach Shlomo is called kelim irob mo'od mo'od. Shlomo left him on way. There were so many. So this guy really put in a lot of work. When Shlomo showed up to check out the whole situation, he saw endless cups, spoons, forks, saucers, this, that, and the other. And, you know, this is what you read. Akelim, Amizrakos, and all the rest of it. And Shlomo said, okay, you know, you did a good job. Now, obviously, the reason they shared this with you is because it was a parallel of what happened to Vayakel. But it's just interesting that the main character that does all this is not Batsala, it's not Oliyov, it's this guy Hiram, whose identity is so much shrouded in mystery. Um, is he fully Jewish? Is he half Jewish? Now, you know what I mean. Halachically, he's Jewish if the mother's Jewish. I get that. But what I mean is, was he raised by a Gaisha father? Was he raised by a Yoraid? What was he doing by Tsar? Uh, it's, it's strange. To put the best possible spin on it, the from a spin, you see, he was a from guy who went to learn, like you say today, in art school. <laughs> he was able to keep from in art school, in Tzor. So while everybody else is doing idols and partying, he's in his dorm room, you know, learning his lessons and staying out of all that junk. And maybe that shows he was a person of great character to be able to resist the flesh pots and the temptations of Tzor and Tzidon. Because there were many, I can assure you. And uh, that shows his high character. There was Shlomo said, I want this guy to execute the base of Migdash. That would be the, the best spin on it. The other spin is the Shlomo said, I guess, I ain't got no time for this from qualifications. I need competence. You know? So I don't care who the guy is. If he can execute all this kind of stuff, it's a competence. Now, they raised these giant pillars. Um, well, not so giant. I think it was... I did it once, like 36 feet tall. It's not short, but, you know, uh, tall. With artwork at the top that nobody can see it. Um, and, of course, the point is like this. 
this all had a, a shelf life. Because eventually the Babylonians come with Tishbub time and they knock it all down and they break up all the Nechoshes like barbarians and they just schlep the Nechoshes back as fungible items. So what we see from this story is that Shlomo, and the Haftar is quite short, that Shlomo uh, realized that this Beisamish project is not simply a matter of bricks and mortar, although it is that, and wood, but also requires a certain unique skill. We don't see in the Chumash that Betzal and Oliov were like that, although maybe they were. But we do see by Shlomo that he needed this kind of business. There is no Yochan and Boaz, giant pillars in the Mishkan. The Mishkan is a cheaper model. The, the Chazal say that. And it was not supposed to be there to show you a gigantic um, architecture and masonry. But the base of English was. The whole point of base of English, well, the whole point, a major point of base of English was to overawe. And this, obviously, Hiram knew how to help with. If your purpose is to overawe and to blow you away, then uh, that Hispilus, as we say, then Hiram was your man. If it's more about introspection, his boat it is, that sort of thing, I'm not sure if Hiram was the right guy or not. This we'll never know, but I just wanted to share these ideas because look what a difference it makes when you compare and contrast what it says in the book of Malachim, chapter 7, what we're reading this week, versus what it says in Debrium and Bays, which will be in chapter 3 and 4, end of Paragimel, beginning of Paragdal. Uh, and uh, sometimes the little discrepancies, in my mind, can be very interesting. If his father was from Naftali, no, or brother, if his mother was from Naftali, no, you know, Jewish girl ended up in Sor. If they're from Don, it's a different story, because Don is the headquarters of the Golden Calf, frankly, of the uh, of the uh, Pesel Michal, which was flourishing and flourishing down to the time of Tishabab, it seems. Anyway, I just want to share those few thoughts with you, as you will review the Haftarah this week. I want to congratulate the Harusas for finishing Book of Malachim, which is not short, and not so easy. I hope they did it together with the Dibra Yomim. If not, then in your Chazar, you do it together with the Dibra Yomim. And uh, when you get after Shlomo, then it, then, the discrepancy, then the differences between the two texts become quite significant indeed. But I won't go into that. With that, I wish you all a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.